Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the E-Commerce Evolution Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce, and I can't wait for today's content. We're talking about a subject that is very near and dear to my heart. This is a subject that I could talk about for days and days on end, and I would never get tired of it, even if everybody around me did. We're going to be talking about why your ads are not scaling and what to do about it, and we're going to be diving into creatives and, and how to make great creative make great video ads, and more. Are you a D2C brand spending over six figures a month on paid media? If so, then listen up. My agency, OMG Commerce, and I have worked with some of the top e-commerce brands over the years, including Boom, Native, Groove, Monin, Organifi, and dozens more. And every year, we audit hundreds of Google, YouTube, and Amazon ad accounts. And we always find either significant opportunities for growth or wasted ad spend to cut, or both. For example, are you missing YouTube ads? Whatever you're spending on top of funnel Facebook, you should be able to spend 30 to 50% of that or more on YouTube with similar returns. So if you're spending 300 to 400,000 a month on Facebook, you should be able to easily spend 100 to 150,000 or more on YouTube. Visit omgcommerce.com to request a free strategy session or visit our resource page and get some of our free guides loaded with some of our best strategies for YouTube ads, Google Shopping, Amazon DSP, and more. Check it all out at omgcommerce.com. And so my guest today is Jacques Spitzer. He is the CEO of Raindrop out of San Diego, and you've seen their work. If you watch a little event called the Super Bowl, you've seen one of their ads. They also had the top YouTube ad of the year a couple years ago. Uh, both of those ads actually were for Dr. Squatch, but they have not just worked with Dr. Squatch. They've worked with Manscaped and Native and William Painter and Ruggable, and the list goes on and on. And so not only is this guy crazy smart and super creative and super fun, he's just a good dude. And we got to hang out in person about a month ago or so in San Diego, one of my favorite cities. And so with that, uh, Jacques, welcome to the show, man. How's it going? And thanks for coming on. Brett, thank you for having me. And it's been great to not only connect uh, in person, but also collaborate most recently on some campaigns together. And um, yeah, happy to be with you and cannot wait to see where this conversation goes. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be super fun. I uh, can't wait. Our, our, our paths have like crossed in interesting ways over the years, right? So I, I mentioned William Painter, mm -hmm. which if you have not seen that ad, you need to go see that ad. I'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, William Painter put that, to, I'm sorry, Raindrop put that together. Uh, I'm friends with the guys at William Painter. I taught them YouTube ads, so they they learned how to, to run the media side of YouTube from uh, from a course that I did. Raindrop did the creative, that kind of what, what started our, our paths crossing. Yep. Uh, but then more recently, uh, we've managed the Google and YouTube ads for Native now for years and years. You guys just finished a, a couple of campaigns that were brilliant for Native. We had so much fun running it, and they did very, very well. And so that's when we were like, dude, we should, we should like talk more and hang out more and do, do more stuff together. So that's what brought us here today. Um, so what, what else would you add to that background? And then tell us just a little bit about creative, you know, uh, a little bit about raindrop. What, you know, what's the size of the team? Kind of give me the, totally. the quick scoop. Yeah. I mean, well, we're 13 years into this journey, but really, you know, on the performance creative side, last four or five years is really where it's taken off. Um, and 
part of that was that you know, when we started working with Dr. Squatch, they were doing less than three million in revenue. And um, I remember Jack, the, um, the the owner and founder of Squatch, asking me, "Do you work with a lot of direct to consumer brands?" And at the time, I said, "Well." I'll be honest with you, Jack, not yet, but I have a feeling that we, we would be great together. And uh, I'm glad that he trusted me in that. I remember exactly where I was sitting when I told him that because I was like, if I were him, I have no reason to say yes outside of, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, that's not a really compelling argument. Um, but we've gone on to do some really great work together and, and yeah, create, create some history. And so um, we're, we're a group of about 100 people. And Dr. Squatch grew, just to, to add a little more to that, they grew from yeah. 3 million now to over 100, right? Is that is Hundreds that of millions, yes. They're, yeah, yeah, They're doing very, millions, very, very well. It's a lot of soap. It's a whole lot of it's, soap. It's a lot of soap. And um, it, it's so fun, too, because it's it's uh, the creative itself is just so much fun. Um, yeah, the the yeah. work that we get to do, the partnerships with you know, Disney with the Star Wars stuff and Batman and um, some other campaigns that are coming out in the, in the near future are just on another level. And they're just so fun. It's it's like, it's it, we were able to create a world to play in and people are responding to it. And it is a great product. Like it really is. You can't fake a great, you know, a, a product. It's a great product. This is not a flash in the pan. This is not a Snuggie or, um, right. you know, yeah. A, yeah. a shake weight Fidget scenario. or something or shake weight. Yeah, shake, yeah. Shake it's like, this is a great, great product. Um, which, by the way, do you, the, do you want to look ridiculous while you work out? Yes, I, I would. You know, it's interesting. <laughs> I, I met the founder of the Shake Weight um, and I got to ask him, like, so how did this all go down? And it was a very real, it was a real thing. It was a real product. It is a real product, but um, obviously took a, a major left turn uh, when the advertising came out. So that was not intended. It was not an intentional. <laughs> Uh, I was like, I always wondered, like, did this person know that it was going to become this phenomenon? Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Yeah, but it did. So, it absolutely so did. Yeah. Hmm, that's crazy. So yeah. you were, uh, so you're about to talk about the size I was just of the saying, team and stuff. Yeah. Where we are, we're based out of Southern California with people all over, uh, but all of our productions uh, are, are primarily out of Southern California. About 100 people um, here, and uh, yeah, just really, really cool team. Um, love the work that we do, and um, yeah, just. Looking honestly to just do work that breaks through the noise. Uh, nothing that we do is trite or boring. Um, people don't come yeah. to us for that kind of work, and right. so we really get to create marketing people love, and that's yeah, that's a and that's 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 your hashtag, right? Marketing people love, and it's it true. is people it love is. your ads. I was actually in preparation for this. I watched the ad for the new Manscaped 4.0, and I was literally laughing out loud by myself in my office, and that's. That's one of those things, right? Some some ads are funny and they bring a smile to your face, right? Or you're with a group and maybe you laugh. But I was by myself, laughing uncontrollably, yeah. right? It like created a physical response. It was it was great, and uh, and so I, I got to know before we kind of dig into the the details here. And, and you guys are performance marketing. That's the way mm -hmm. we've always been too, more on the on the media and strategy side. Uh, but what was it like making that Super Bowl ad, right? So Squatch did so well on YouTube. That you guys made a, a Super Bowl spot. Walk me through that. What was that like? It had to have been surreal. It was, and part of the surrealness of it was, um, you know, I was. It was like December fifth or sixth. I should know the date, but like December fifth or sixth. And I get a, a text from their CMO, Josh, and he's like, "We're thinking about doing a Super Bowl commercial." And I'm like, "For like what? this Super Bowl, like the one, like <laughs> yeah, the like, one that we're in the middle of a couple for? months, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the one, like like this one." He's like, "Yeah," 
We're not really sure, though, yet. Like, we haven't even started negotiating the rates. Like, we're not really sure. But, like, do you think we can pull it off? Can we make an ad that fast? And, I mean, we're going into, like, holiday season. We're going to have to, you know, I knew that the place, you know, we're, we, we always shut down, like, the week after uh, the holidays and Christmas and everything. And so I was like, oh. And, um, you know, so we started, we didn't even kick off concepting until mid-December. And the the final files were, were due I want to say like mid January, um, so that so was an like, exceptional, like time. exceptional yeah. circumstance. And, um, and but the good, so, the good part about that, I mean, that's still crazy yeah. fast. The good thing is you, you'd already created this world. You had your actor, you had your, you had 100%. your theme and your concept and 100%. all that. So it's more like just, but still coming up with something fresh and new yeah, related and to that in four weeks was difficult. And I think I think um, this actually is a, an interesting learning lesson for all performance marketers. Um, especially ones with emerging brands or challenger brands, is that I think a lot of people overestimate um, the number of people who have seen their ads or or recognize their brand, and so um, and so what what our strategy was going into that Super Bowl spot was we are going to make a squatch ad a thirty the most thirty second squatch ad we can that's appropriate. Um, you know, for for to run, you know, to a uh, hundred million people and, and families, uh, but we're gonna make the most squatch ad we can. That is a summation of everything that's been successful to date, knowing that seventy five to eighty percent of people that see that Super Bowl ad will have never seen never anything seen exactly. ever from Dr. Exactly. Squatch. Yep. Um, and you mentioned the William Painter guys. You know, I remember one of the one of the conversations we had with them early on before the video that really took off for them was, well, what, you know, what skew should we work on? You know, what should, what product should we work on? And we're like the hook, like your original pair, yeah, because yeah. And the, the thing that I always tell entrepreneurs and is I give them this, I say, if you put a, a bunch of people in a stadium right now and you ask them, how many of you have ever heard of this brand, whatever that brand is, even if it's doing a hundred million dollars, a lot of people are like, Oh, that actually puts it in perspective. I bet, 100 people would know or 150 mm-hmm. people would know yeah. um, if they Isn't haven't really done a, like a... So a, almost like, nobody in that Exactly. In that and so yeah. it's like, don't don't ditch, like in their case, don't ditch the hook, your your, your sunglasses exactly. that open bottle yeah. caps just because yep. you Popping stopped bottles seeing, and looking like a model. That's right. Just, cause, just because <laughs> it, it stopped sort of like working top of funnel for you, it's still your best-selling, most interesting skew. And that's the one that we really honed into. It's what took off. And so um, that was our approach for the, the Super Bowl spot for Squatch as well, is assume that no one's ever seen the ad because most people yeah. haven't and give people something to be excited about. Um, yep. So, yeah, that, but that was a wild ride. And it was, it was, I mean, I'll never forget when it actually ran. Like, I mean, I, I still, I can't breathe thinking about it because it was just like, it, oh, my gosh, just, is it, it going to run? Like, be, what's going to yeah, happen? Yeah. You know, is it going right. to glitch, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, and and what's funny is like, yeah, I didn't. I didn't know you at the time. I knew. I knew of Raindrop, and I knew, of course, uh, uh, James, who's the actor in mm-hmm. in Squatch, because of William Painter. And so, when I saw that, I was like, "Are you kidding me? Like this? This is our world. Like this is the direct. This is direct response. This is performance marketing. It's in the Super Bowl. I was so excited. Totally. I do like a Super Bowl review on a Monday morning meeting uh, with my team, and I, I just went on and on about it. So I was like, "Can you guys believe this?" Uh, but anyway, I'm sure it was. A thousand times better, you know, for you. So, it was so, so much what, what about your family? Were, were your parents like, we're just so proud, you know, you made the Super Bowl? Yeah. I mean, yeah, my, my family, um, I mean, you know, they, they not only were they very proud, it was special because, um, you know, that was two, it was 2021 Super Bowl. So, um, not this year, but the year before. And yep. it, if you'll remember, that was like 
height of COVID. It was like the second, right, it was right. right before the, right before the vaccinations, like, like big, big wave. And so we were yep. in my backyard watching it um, outdoor. I think uh, my wife's um, mom and husband uh, drove into town, but like, you know, everyone's like 10 feet apart, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. in the backyard. Not watching. the typical Super Bowl experience. No, for sure. no, no. Because it would have been really cool to, to, to gather as like a team that produced it. I yeah. would have, that's yeah. like a, a thing I wish I had as a memory of like our whole company yeah, together yeah. for that Everybody moment. But, yeah, totally. but we, you know, it was intimate. Yep, yep, very cool. So we've been kind of sprinkling things here and there. Most people are like, hey, you know what, guys, this is great. I'm not going to run a Super Bowl ad probably anytime right. soon. Although, don't rule it out. You never know. You never might go there never. at some point. Justin never Bieber. say never. Justin Bieber. <laughs> yeah. I quote him all I the think, time. Great I think the more we can quote Justin Bieber, really the bet, the smarter we'll look, the better yep. our lives will be. Uh, totally, totally. For sure. Yep, I'm a believer. Um, so that's good. Uh, <laughs> so, so let's dive in. I want to talk about, you know, why your ads are not scaling. We do a lot on YouTube. We're spending millions and millions a month on YouTube. And we know we, we've seen uh, campaigns that just go to the moon. We've seen other campaigns that kind of fizzle. And a lot of it, certainly the media and some of the technical stuff behind there is important. Uh, but the creative is such an important part. So yep. let's dive into that. What are the mistakes you see? that brands make with their video content? Absolutely. Well, uh, I will start with the most obvious one. Um, it seems obvious, but it is the mistake that I see over and over and over and over and over. And if I could keep saying over for another hundred times, I would uh, again. <laughs> sure, let's go, I'll keep And trying. that is that they brands fundamentally, will they'll have like a brief and they'll start with, well, what, do we, what do we want people to know? What do we want them to learn? Um, and they approach it from the, the standpoint of like, what do I want to say? And mm -hmm. I think that f fundamentally, and, and part of this is maybe um, just instincts of how I consume content, what, I, what I've seen from other brands that like have done this well, is we flip it on its head and we say, how are we going to create something that people will actually watch? And then what do we want them to learn? Um, and I know that's a it sounds like a very simple way of thinking about it, but I would say yeah. most people approach it more like they would if they just had a talking head video and they were like, okay, so I have I have a minute with somebody or I have 30 mm -hmm. seconds. What do I want them to know? And they just start from that standpoint. And it's like, that's not actually what you need to do. You need to, you need to think, how am I going to make sure that they're going to at least stick with me for 15 seconds? <laughs> like, and, and you've seen the numbers on some of our ads. Like, you know, some of the long form ads will do you know, 25, 30, 35 second average watch times. And it's like, you only get there by saying, okay, you know, it's not just the hook, but it's like, also, how am I honoring people's attention? And you talked about laughing out loud. I mean, I think you can be clever. I think you can be funny. I think you can be interesting. I think you can be educational. It doesn't have to be funny. Although funny is a, a good mechanism. But fundamentally, that is a mistake. I see so many brands make is they're like introducing new product or like, have you seen this? Or I love this product. And it's like, I mean, like skip. I mean, that's mm -hmm. it. It's just like, we're in the skip world. Um, right. And if you make content that people are likely to skip, doesn't matter how much you like it. It doesn't matter how pretty it is. It doesn't matter right. what you have to say. People just skip yeah. it. Um, exactly. I, think, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's, so, that's, that's so starting with. Right, starting with this is what I want to say versus starting with this is what people want to hear and see, yes. what the people want to experience. And and yeah, you're right, it doesn't have to be funny because some people aren't naturally funny. That's the tricky part about being funny 
is if you're not a comedian, what you think is funny, probably other people won't, right? And so uh, it's it's hard to be funny and to sell. You guys do it really, really well. Um, can, I, yeah, can I double down yeah. on that? Because that's actually a learning, that's a learning lesson of ours. Like the first video we ever did was not very good. Um, and one of our big learning lessons was like, we need to hire funny people. And now mm-hmm. half of our writing team used to be full-time comedians, like toward the, toward the country, full-time comedians. Yeah. And then we pair them with people who are also very marketing-oriented. Very, And then you know, all of our comedians are great writers. They're smart people. They've learned how to be smart about call to actions and everything else. But like that's the biggest aha I've had is like when people try to be funny and they're just not professionally funny, it shows. And that's the problem that, again, if you try to get into humor, 99% of brands are making that big mistake. Yeah, and, and that can really backfire on you. And I, and I, I would argue that it's way easier to teach someone direct response principles mm-hmm. and CTA principles than it is to teach someone how to be funny. Because funny is, is so nuanced, right? You're like, mm-hmm. it's funny is about timing, and funny is about pace, and about tone, and it's about like choosing the right word, right? Like if you're making a, a joke about, uh, about uh, shaving your nether regions, like you can eat, you really, you got to toe that line between being offensive and just being hilarious, right? And totally. so you, you've got to be a master with words and you got to understand comedy. So yeah, I've heard a few people that say that, that hey, write a script, but get comedians to come in and, and make it funny if you want to go that route. And I would, I would say that you don't have to be funny, but you do have to be emotional, right? You got to strike some emotional chord to get someone to keep watching and then to get them to, to take action. Totally. So that's, that's fantastic. Awesome. So Mistake number one, starting with what you want to say, which usually is going to be boring. It's going to be bullet point driven or whatever. So that's a mistake. What are other mistakes that you see? Yeah, I mean, um, a big one I'll I'll see is people just assume way too much attention. I mean, Mm. and I'm talking about, like, I've seen videos that I know someone spent you know, I know. I mean, I don't want to call out anybody because I'm not that kind of person. Uh, but I've, I like recently I saw an ad where they don't even bring up the product for two minutes into the ad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they talk all about the problem and the solution, and they think that enough people are going to stick around to figure out what it's about. And I guarantee you that ad's not going to work. Um, it's right. just like it, there's there's just certain principles around attention that are so like important. Um, and so we, you know, when we go through our process, it's like, you know, which I can talk to more detail later on. It's like, it's once it's, sh- it's not about just being scripted. It's not about just being shot, but it's like, when we get into editing it, it is every, not only every second, it's like, we're shaving 0.2 seconds here. We are doing whip pans here. We are punching in here because like every second matters. And I think that that that's, that's another issue that I see across the board is people just think, I'll put the, together a video. Um, I want it to be to hold attention, but then they just like sit on a single shot of someone talking for 15, 20 seconds. I'm like, human beings get bored. And so, yes. um, you know, that's assuming attention is definitely like number two um, in terms of the problems I see. I mean, um, you know, and it's just, you'll see, I mean, check out YouTube and then notice the number of ads that like, you'll be five seconds in and nothing's happened yet. I mean, I'd rather mm-hmm. at least see someone blowtorch something than do nothing. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. I, joke with, I joke with people, but I'm like, isn't it, what's more interesting? Like seeing a beautiful like shot of like a barrel going through a vineyard with the sun glistening and then a vo- voiceover comes in and says like, wine, you love wine. 
or like someone taking a wine bottle and smashing it and being like, your wine sucks. <laughs> it's like yeah, exactly. most brands do the first one. They're like, ooh, beautiful shots right. of our vineyards. And it's like, that doesn't work. It's just funny. Yeah. It doesn't work. Yeah, it's so good. Um, and, and one of the things that, that I like to do, and this isn't always practical. Well, the, fir the first part is, the second part isn't. I, when I, and whenever I'm watching a video, I'll, I'll really try to pay attention to when when did I like suddenly start thinking about something else? Mm -hmm. like, when, when did I start remembering what I have to do after this? Or when did I almost think about multitasking? And I was like, oh, well, that's that's the part that needs to be fixed, right? Because if, if the ad is good, there should be these little things ha happen all the time, like a few seconds and explosion, right? And not yeah. literally explosion necessarily, but got to keep that attention going. Uh, and and yeah, man, we we look at, so one of the things I wanted to mention earlier was you guys do longer form videos, right? The William Painter videos, some of the native sure. stuff that we did was, was two and a half, three minutes, which ideally for YouTube, like that's the sweet spot. That's where we, yep. if we're driving conversions, trying to get actual purchases, actual signups, things like that, we want the longer video. But not everybody watches the whole video. There's still a lot of you know people that just click through early and stuff like that. Um, but you still want to yeah, come to a point relatively early because even what you said, and your, your videos are funny and they're engaging and people want to watch the whole thing. The average watch time is like 35 seconds, which... That may sound low. That's actually very, very high. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you don't want to wait two minutes to introduce your product. That's that's insane. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm just gonna double down on something you just said, which is, yeah. uh, I have a seven year old son at home. Brett, I understand you have like. I don't know, 10, 15, 20. We got eight, eight kids. Eight. It feels like 15 <laughs> in the evenings, you know, before bedtime, it feels like there's a hundred, but we have eight. Yes. And true. so uh, what I was going <laughs> to add to that is that, um, one of the most healthy things I do is I, I have my son watch our ads because mm. I'll watch when he disengages and uh, he likes watching our ads, which is helpful. Like he's like, dad, I love your ads. I want to watch them. Um, but I'll watch when he disengages and, and, there is a high correlation between ads that he's highly interested in and ones where he's not. Um, because I think at some point, you know, we're all, even though we get older and older, we all have some part of our brain that like has this, I, I call it a short consideration span, not a short attention span, mm. but consideration because mm. people will stick around and watch it. And the other thing uh, I think brands get maybe confused by is, you know, when you're thinking about showing it to a thousand people, the goal is not to have you know, 80% of a thousand people, you know, per, per thousand people watch the whole thing. It right, is right. finding the one, two or three people that are going to watch um, it in an impactful way that will get them to potentially buy. And so people have this mindset of like, well, it has to be for everyone. And it's like, no, it just has to be for, you know, uh, whatever your, your customer acquisition costs are. I mean, of, oftentimes, you know, you just need one out of a thousand or one out of every 2000 or even in some brands case, one every 10,000 to purchase for this to be profitable. And so it's not about getting everyone. It's about getting more people than you are now. Yep. Yep. I love that. So have your, have your seven year old watch. One of the other things that, that I was going to mention, this is the not so practical part, but if you can do it, I think it's important. I like to also show ads, ads that I've seen a lot but show them to a group of people and then just watch the people. Don't watch mm -hmm. the ad, watch the people and see when do they look down? When do they when do they grab for their phone? When do they lean in? When do they, is there a physical reaction? I remember, I remember hearing uh, BJ Novak, one of the writers for The Office, uh, talk about good humor causes a physical response, right? Mm -hmm. We've all heard someone say, that was funny, and but they're not smiling or laughing. And you're like, I don't think you thought that was funny. Right? Like, like funny is when you respond. Yep. And so I like to show an ad and, and watch people's reaction, which is super interesting and telling.
Yeah, I would love to have more uh, more focus groups, but you have one at your home, so. <laughs> yeah, my wife just gave birth to the focus group. It was that's uh, right. it, it was not easier. I don't know. Anyway, uh, that's awesome. Okay, so we got uh, starting with what we want to say instead of what people want to hear as a mistake. Uh, second mistake is assuming too much attention. What would mm-hmm. be another mistake? Yeah, I mean, you talked about it earlier, but there is a functional when you talk about scaling. Because um, I think that that's where it's like you can have effective ads that won't scale. And maybe to define for people, what does that mean? Um, an ad that you can spend behind and continue to spend behind in a way that will uh, build. So, you know, some of these uh, brands have done, I think we've done, let's say, 10, uh, like 11 campaigns where the, where the brands have been able to profitably scale over 10 million views. And this is on YouTube. Um, we've seen some of these campaigns cross over and do very, very well on Facebook um, or, or just meta plat- platforms in general. Um, and then we've had a, a handful that have done more than 100 million views profitably as well. And so what, what we tend to see is that, you know, I always think about it this way. It's like, People go through a sales process when they're interacting with your brand. So most, what most that looks like with most brands is that you you think about it in terms of a funnel. I have my top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel, and we all know that a majority of your transactions happen where bottom of funnel. Bottom of funnel. Yep. Right. And so most people are going, okay, well, how can I most efficiently get to this bottom of funnel? And what the dynamic of a longer form ad, the, the way that that changes the game and changes the math is that, you know, if you're getting 10% top of funnel of your transactions, you know, 20% middle of funnel and then 70% bottom of funnel, what it does is it just starts to raise the number of transactions that happen top of funnel um, just by some sort of statistical relevance, like 10% more, 20% more mm-hmm. and at scale, meaning, okay, well, Whenever someone's like, I got a five row ads, I'm like, well, that means you don't have a big enough audience because exactly. you know, you're, you're, not you're, not, trying, you're doing remarketing, ex- you're doing branding. Exactly. That's all you're doing, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, watching like, you know, a brand like Dossier go from spending, you know, tens of thousands, you know, tens of thousands of dollars a month on YouTube to much, much, much more in driving. I mean, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the figures, but, you know, their, their ads done over 20 million uh, views just in the last couple of months. And, and, watching them be able to scale that profitably at pretty much the same ROAS number as they were when they were just spending 40, 50 grand a month. That is how this all really works. Um, and I think that a lot of times less savvy people and media buyers ex- have this idea that you can have this like silver bullet asset that's just going to perf- like just absolutely outperform everything in a way that like, oh, well, if my CPA is currently a 50, $57 CPA, I'm going to be able to run something that's going to get me $21 CPAs. That's not the case. It's actually taking whatever your CPA is now, and if you can drop it like 10 to 15%, but at scale, spending tens of thousands of dollars a day behind that asset, well, that's how you massively grow so quickly. And that's what we've seen with these brands, like, you know, like you mentioned, Lumi or or Dr. Squatch. It's like those brands have been able to get assets that they can throttle, spend behind, and not see a huge dip in efficiency. Um, so, and then every channel has a different burnout, like a, like amount of time before it burns out, YouTube being the longest. Um, For sure. And then, you know, TikTok being the shortest. Yeah, one of the things I love about YouTube is, yeah, we've, we've had some of the same ads, like some of the, the same ads for Boom by Cindy Joseph that we've run for literally longer than a year, right? And then, yep. and then you refresh it and you run it for another year, right? So like that can happen on YouTube. And I think part of that is just because 
one, the, the YouTube audience is so massive, it's almost unlimited scale on YouTube. Some of your audiences, some of the ways we target on YouTube is based on people's search behavior, like what they've searched for recently on Google or YouTube. So those audiences are being refreshed all the time. So there's just there's several reasons that me, me and you know creatives on YouTube last a long time, which is awesome. And and what's also interesting is that I think there's some creatives that they're good, but they mainly work like for a remarketing audience, like for a bottom of funnel audience, or for like a really really interested mid funnel audience. So someone who's actively shopping, actively engaged. They're in the know. They they understand the problem. They understand the solution. They understand your your category. There's certain ads that work for those people. Uh, but then where you really see the magic happen is when you can create that ad that takes someone from being oblivious to being aware to being interested to being like, dude, I got to click. I got to check this out. And oh. then and then you're right. That does change the numbers. And when you look at top of funnel stuff, and so, some people don't don't measure it right either. And that that that's an art and science there too. But yeah, the right creative and then with the right media plan. Um, yeah, it can just keep going. And when you when you start to get like a campaign that's spending millions of dollars a month, that's like super fun. I, I I will never get tired of that. It's one of my favorite things to observe. And I'm sure maybe even more rewarding or more cool for you because you're the creative behind it, which is It's amazing. Cool. I mean, I will say not only that, like if I'm honest, and I'm not the only one in my company that does this, but getting to go to the comment sections and seeing how much people love the advertising is also <laughs> yeah. really rewarding. Yep. People genuinely yep. love it. And I think right. that's what's fun. It's like we're not just making ads that are like, oh, ads. It's like we're making ads that are that are really, really fun. Yep. And um and that mat, you know, that's just that that's what it's all about. Yeah, I mean, the, the first thing that I wanted to do after I saw the Manscaped video earlier was I wanted to, I wanted to text this to some buddies of mine. Like, you got you got to watch this, right? Like, how often do you do that with an ad? It doesn't happen very totally. often. And it's, it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty fun. Uh, yeah. Awesome. I know we can dig into more mistakes, and if there's if there's uh, one or two more, you want to. I mean, close on you, the you almost you yeah. basically bled me dry of all the mistakes that people make, but those are some pretty big ones. I'll be honest. <laughs> those are some you're like big ones. you're like, like you you're fix like people, those and you're yeah. Good, yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. like you're like uh, if you could make your if you could make your uh, ads more entertaining. Um, you know, uh, more, I guess at the end of the day, more entertaining, actually sell, and um, actually funny. You know, then those three things go a long way. <laughs> um, the one thing I will, Make I will them say, actually good. Yeah, I will. And the one thing I'll add um, about long form content that I think is helpful was this was a breakthrough for me in our work with Works. Works Power Tools is a brand that went from like zero to hundred million in sales behind infomercial TV ads, right? And then they've, they're, mm-hmm, they're a huge company mm-hmm. now. And they found us three, four years ago, and that's what triggered for me, like, oh, this is not anything new. Like, we're just doing this for the internet, but like, I I grew up watching a 30-minute, you know, George Foreman exactly. commercial exactly. or whatever. Yep. Yep. And it's the same idea. It's like people want to be entertained, and they don't mind being sold to as long as it's done in a way that's interesting, and it's like, there's been a lot right. of flex seal sold. There's been a lot of you know Absolutely, scrub daddy sold. Yeah. There's a reason. And, and those and, and I always talk about yeah exactly. And, and, and I, I I compare you, good YouTube ads more to the uh, short form infomercials that are on on TV, like the two or three minute versions. But but yeah, if you think about like P90X, so I bought P90X years and years ago. I was sick. I was laid up on the couch. And I ended up watching like a whole P90X infomercial. I bought it and I did it. But I was watching it. So, so the, it's emotional. It's not funny, really, but it's emotional. Like, and, you, and, you, and it takes you on this journey. And I didn't mind it. Like, I kind of enjoyed it. I knew it was an ad. I knew it was an infomercial, but I was still uh, entertained enough and, and I bought it. So, and, and millions of other people did as well. So, uh, very totally. cool. So, let's do this. Let's look at kind of walk us through your process. And if you want to, if you want to take one of these examples, whether it's, 
Squatch or Works or whoever, Native, and, and kind of walk us through like, what's your process look like so that we can maybe get an idea of how do we try to do something like that ourselves? All right. Great question. I, I will say this. We have a pretty thorough process. We used to take yeah. every client. I know I have to condense it for, for no, you know, no, no. Uh, podcast yeah, but, purposes. Yeah. But, but, uh, but the, especially starting out, it's like we, uh, we used to have like this. Uh, we, we still have, we do it for a lot of clients. It's the brand identity process. And mm-hmm. what that looks like for us is we are trying to, to dive into a couple things that um, are so important that most brands have never even asked themselves. I think, um, you know, I'm thinking about writing a book called uh, Your Mission Statement is Shit uh, because <laughs> I, I think that a lot of brands get hung up on their why. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I love Simon Sinek. Don't get me wrong. Like, I think he's a brilliant person. I love all his content. But, um, you know, he kind of took this paradigm from people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. And I'm sure you've heard that a million times. And I actually go, that's not true. People don't buy right. what you do. They don't buy why you do it. They buy how it makes them feel about themselves. Exactly. That's what they exactly. buy. Yes. And so, yes. Um, you know, when we first started working with Dr. Squatch, we went through this whole journey with them. And I remember Jack, Jack's why is like he wanted to, he believes very strongly in the power of all natural soap. I mean, it had cleared up psoriasis. It, it clear, you know, clears medical kind of conditions. And, um, but we steered and we all worked together to steer the brand in a new direction where we're like, we're not really selling soap. If we're selling soap, I remember being in a conference room, small conference room and being like, if we're selling soap, we're already dead because you can buy 30 bars of soap from Costco for the same price as like a bar and a half of your soap. Like that's yep. not, we're not selling soap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but we yep. are selling a fundamentally different experience every single morning if you shower. We're selling, you know, uh, uh, an experience that where m- men feel like truly like a throwback to like men bathing like kings, you know, like this idea of like being a king of your shower and um, in bringing out like this whole new sense of self. And so that's that's how we start with every brand is we start asking ourselves, how like, how do we want to make people feel? What are they saying about mm-hmm. themselves by purchasing this product or this service? And we create a voice and a posture and an attitude around those pillars. And so we have like a very formal process we do, but over time we start working with bigger, bigger brands and a lot of them will come to you and be like, well, we've already figured all that stuff out. And uh, for the most part, like they have, but, um, but there's some things, there's always some nuggets you uncover just from being an outside voice. And so we do that work uh, before we actually kick off the actual scripting or concepting. We always concept first because um, in general, we're taking some risks with our advertising. And so we want to get gut check what those risks might be with the clients and with, you know, before we just like run in a direction and just like script the whole thing. Because uh, for instance, the Centaur video for, for Native, it's like, that was an interesting one. It was like, it was like, are they, you know, how are they going to respond to the idea of like dressing up somebody as a Centaur and having it all about like, it's not a myth you know, that natural deodorant can actually work. It's native. <laughs> and this idea of this woman saying like, I'm going to get, I'm going to gallop all day through these dense ass woods and I have six pits and I treat them to native. Like I was like, I don't know, <laughs> like maybe it'll be, maybe they will be down or maybe they will be like, please yeah. never bring that idea to us again. And they were down. So, um, yeah. you know, it, it's like, we have to gut check some of that with the clients. Um, but, but that comes from a place of like, we ask ourselves what risks are we willing to take? Because you can't not take some sort of risk. And then, expect a reward. If you're going to make a risk-free, boring-ass ad, it's not going to work. 
I mean, you can cut that out of this podcast and put it out there in the world because yep, that yep, is totally just boring as boring, the word. Boring is the kiss of death. It's way better to be controversial or weird or out there or offensive even. Anything. Than boring. Anything. Boring yeah. is the worst without a doubt. Yeah. It's got to take some risks. I love that. Yeah. And so that, that kind of, that goes through our whole process. I mean, from the scripting to the way that we cast and the way that we, you know, set design, the way that we edit, um, everything we do is just understanding what's the risk and reward behavior of these decisions, um, including like when we do something that might be more funny or, or, or clever or humorous that takes us away from the main storyline. It's like, let's well, eight seconds that takes us away from the main storyline. Is it worth it? Like, is it worth mm. doing that? Um, yep. And so, you know, oftentimes we, we'll we we'll cut 30 to 40 seconds of our video out before it's finally done. But I always say that, like, it's nice to have too much and work down rather than not have yes, enough. Yes, for sure. And so, um, and I know I'm talking a lot about, about long form, but there is something about being able to tell the full story, talk about all of those unique selling propositions, also addressing people's objections and giving them like reasons to understand why it's like yes. it's a validated, verified, all the all the great things people have to say about it. You take people on this emotional journey that by the end of it, it's like, yeah, you can check out the website, but we just brought the website to you. We just brought a right. salesperson to you. Like mm -hmm. we're doing a big campaign mm -hmm. for Happy Eggs. And I told them, I remember in the kickoff, we're like, our goal is to say, if you had someone standing in front of the eggs in a grocery store, able to explain to someone why they should buy happy eggs, we want to bring that into everyone's home and to their mobile device yeah. so that when they are yeah. there, they've already heard the story. They already know where the chickens are from and why the, why the yolks are going to be orange instead of yellow. They're going to know all these things because we've mm. put that out in front of them in an entertaining way. Yeah, and, and I heard a, a, a friend of mine explain this, and I totally agree with it. The, there's so much more. A, a video that's done well, a long-form video like what you guys create, if someone actually does watch that for a minute and a half or two minutes or the full three minutes, there's such an emotional connection that can never be duplicated on a, on a website, right? So you think about what are you willing to pay for a click to get someone to your landing page? Maybe you're, you're willing to pay two, three, four dollars, whatever the case may be. Well, you could get that completed view on YouTube for like seven cents and it created, I guarantee, if someone watched it, a stronger emotional connection, more understanding about the product, more of a visualization of what is, what is it going to be like when I buy this product than you could ever do on your website. And so, uh, yeah, I love that. It's it's and that that hopefully should and you can do stuff in thirty seconds too. But but yeah, creating that emotional connection with long form, it's it's beautiful. Brett, you you are my people, my friend. Like you get it. Like I, know, <laughs> I mean, ser I, seriously, because I yeah. just think. Because uh, I think about all the time, like one of my biggest, one of the things that people miss is like, I'll give you an example, Crossrope. Crossrope, or, or you mentioned early, like uh, you, you talked to this person with Tushy recently. It's like yeah. with these brands where it's like you can't just sell people a jump rope or a bidet. Right. Like, you right. want them to choose your brand. If all you've mm -hmm. done is educate them on the space and then they go to Amazon and buy a knockoff product for yes. a third of the price, yes. you lose. And right. so I'm like, that's why this really matters. Is like you might, like I think most brands underestimate how many sales they're losing, not only to competitors or to uh, to Amazon, but they've done all the hard work to get in front of someone to get them even thinking about this, and then they lose the momentum or they lose the brand connection. And they're like, well, I didn't really know I wanted a bidet, but now I, I've seen an ad, I checked it out, and then I found one for a third of the price. I guess I gave it a whirl. You lost. You lost. Exactly. And yeah. so that it's yeah. really interesting. 
Yeah, so then then all you did there, which was still impressive, is you you convinced someone to buy a bidet, but but you you just wasted your money because now they're not coming back to you. Yeah, and that happens. And and don't think that it doesn't. I remember I had this aha moment. We we're working on a kind of a, an expensive skincare brand for for a younger demo, and I was talking to a team member, and she, she was in her young twenties, and she's like, "Oh, I saw this ad." But I just I saw the ad on Instagram and then I went on Amazon and I bought something else that was related. Yep. I was like, oh, wow, okay, we got we got work to do, right? And we got we got to think about who we're targeting and how we're positioning it and stuff like that. So, yeah, totally. yeah, really good. I mean, I, cool. I give you a, a weird example um, just to double down on that. Is I just, I was just talking to somebody who they 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 um, came out with a multivitamin and they literally just designed the multivitamin to look kind of like a leading multivitamin. They popped it up on Amazon and they just siphoned like a yep. tenth of their sales by being $20 less. And it's like, that's the difference between like brand, selling a brand and selling a product. Like you have yes. to do both at the same time. And I think that that's the difference. Like that, but we talk about all the time, it's like, it's gotta be branded performance creative. It can't just be mm. performance creative because if it's not, that's where you lose. It's like you can't convince someone to buy the type of thing you sell and then just have them buy something $5, $10 less because they don't understand the value or the connection to the brand. I love that branded performance creative and the way that works together. And what's so great is, you know, we have the 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 privilege of getting to see kind of the D2C site, but also Amazon. So we work with some really cool brands running their YouTube and Google, but then also running their, their Amazon campaigns. And it's so interesting to me the impact that YouTube or, or other channels, Facebook, whatever, has on Amazon. We see it, okay. right? Our teams see it. They're like, our Amazon team will will ask us, like, "Hey, did you shut something off? Because like our branding campaign is way down this week." Uh, and it's because yeah, we 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 throttle back on YouTube for whatever reason. And and so, but if all you're doing is a, a an ad that just sells a product or a concept, you don't get the same brand lift. But if it's branded, then you get that brand lift. And it's significant. We did a study with our own clients of people that spend north of just 30000 a month on, on YouTube, right? Which is kind of a starting point. But we've seen like on average like a 26% lift in branded search campaigns uh, after the fact. And then if you can start getting into several hundred thousand a month, then that creates a huge lift in, in basically all your channels. But uh, anyway, yeah. So, so branded, thinking branded, not just... Uh, selling the product or the category uh, totally, totally makes sense. That's awesome. Cool. Any anything else? And we're like we're totally geeking out here. Like I'm, I'm getting all fired up. I could keep going for probably another couple hours. Uh, we're running out of time. I, anything else you want to kind of highlight on your uh, process? Because I know we, I know we simplified that quite a bit. Yeah, I would say the final thing I would add is that you know we, we always make things with multiple openings, multiple opening mm -hmm. hooks, multiple openings to test, and I think. One of the big things people worry about um, in investing in such high-level creative is like, what if it doesn't work? Like, what if it mm -hmm, just flops? Mm -hmm. And um, and I'm, I'm very happy to say, like, it, it's very rare that it does. Um, and, um, and part of that is because we go into it by creating anywhere between two and five different openings to run and test for these campaigns. And they can have a very significant difference in average, sure. in average watch sure. time and sales and, and ROAS. I mean... Um, I know the campaign that we all just worked on recently, you know, one of the versions outperformed the other by 50%, 5-0. I mean, yeah, it wasn't like, yeah. it wasn't 5 yeah, it, was for, it was for the native sun, sun care, right? It was yeah, the, the exactly. yeah, yeah, which was crazy. And really yeah. that, yeah, getting the right opening 
uh, can can just change the math of a campaign completely. And so yeah, you don't want to just have one option. That's not good, right? Even right. the best of the best are going to get that wrong. So yeah, have two to five. Lo love that approach. Yeah, that would be my final like send you away with that. Um, but you know, mistakes that maybe we made very very early on that we will never make again. Um, and I've, I also don't think there's a huge benefit to having like ten or anything. Um, I think that's almost TMI Correct. or too much information for your yeah. media buying teams. Yep, and and from and I know I'm, I've been speaking a lot about YouTube. That's just that's just my frame of reference. But YouTube isn't really set up to test a ton of creatives at any one time. Like three to five is ideal, really, for yep. for true testing yep. on YouTube. Facebook, I know, kind of has an appetite for more uh, creative, from what I hear. But uh, this has been awesome. So so Jacques, as people are listening to this and they're like, "All right, I got to talk to Raindrop. I want to know what to do next." Like, who who do you guys work with? So how could someone say? Am I a good fit for Raindrop or not? Um, totally. Who do you guys work with? And then how can they get in touch? Yeah, so, uh, well, I'll start with the easy one, how they get in touch. Raindrop.agency is our website. I'm also very active on LinkedIn, so if you want to look me up on LinkedIn, uh, happy to see you there. Um, and, and we really, you know, we, we see our, uh, our, our, we tend to work with brands doing over $5 million in revenue. That just, it tends to be the right moment to fit. You kind of like, need some traction already. To, so you guys know what to work with and what exactly, to do next. Exactly. So it's either that or people that have just raised funding and want to and either want or need to hit some sort of gas pedal on getting their product out, you know, into the world. And we've, we've been successful in, in many different fashions. Laundry socks is a great example of like, we started with them as a startup and they're growing rapidly and doing really, really well. Um, and so, you know, but that's, that's just the general, like when people are like, Hey, they come to us and they're like, I'm spending $30,000 on media a month. Like I want to make ads. It's like, ah, that's, we're not the best fit for that right now. Right. Not, um, enough, not enough data know, at this point. Yeah. Exactly. And, um, and we always, I mean, just maybe who I am, like, I'm not going to work with someone unless I think we can really be successful for yes. them. I treat yes. their money like it's mine. Like, I'm only gonna live once. I want to do my best work for the right people, and so um, it doesn't come up from a place other than we, I just we want to be successful, and so we try to work with people that are ready. Love it. Check him out on LinkedIn, Jock Spitzer, and then also Raindrop.agency. Brother's been awesome. I'm ready for Thank round you, two. Brent. We got to schedule it uh, sometime in the not too distant future. But uh, thanks for being gracious with your time, and thanks for for delivering the thunder, man. This was good. All right. Thanks for being my lightning. <laughs> awesome. As always, thank you for tuning in. Uh, let us know what you'd like to hear more of on the podcast. Leave us that five-star review if you've not done so already. And with that, until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.